0: Oh, hello. Welcome to episode three of Words with Writers
1: podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Canadian Authors Association, Toronto Branch. We are a membership-based organization for writers in all levels, areas, and genres of the writing profession. We are your hosts, Chris Gorman
0: and Brandy Tanner. We're so happy you're joining us. Today, we have a special treat for our listeners. We are going to be listening to some of our published Canadian Authors Toronto members read from their work.
1: We'll also recap our June event. And while we have paused our monthly events for a July summer break, we'll talk about some webinars and contests you can look into this month, as well as the great things our members are doing right now.
0: Well, that sounds great, Chris. So let's get into the show. For the month of June, our live on zoom event featured toronto based playwright spoken word artist, Haiku death master and musical saw player Charlie Petch teaching us how to be brave on stage so I was there for that event and it was truly wonderful outside of the amazing descriptor of Haiku death Master Charlie showed us some practical ways of performing on a virtual type event, um, right down to how to use the microphone properly. And as part of the event, all of the attendees were on camera and said something that they found embarrassing about themselves. And it really kind of broke the ice for everybody and, and made us a, a, a true part of the event. So it was really fun.
1: That sounds amazing. Did you find out what a haiku death master was?
0: Charlie (laughs) Petch.
1: Oh. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Uh, I sadly missed June's event. I was really looking forward to it. And I'm very sad that I couldn't make it. But it does sound amazing. And I can't wait for our regular programming to return in August. So Canadian Authors has also partnered with SF Canada for an exciting webinar series. If you haven't been following along with that, I highly suggest you check it out at canadianauthors.org national. The webinar series is found under programs and it is amazing. We've learned about writing for children and young adults, maximizing our income in a digital world, which is very timely given our current pandemic situation, tips and tricks for just starting out with self-publishing, And last week, we learned how to create believable, character-driven conflicts. Our next webinar is coming up on August 19th, and is titled, How to Build Worlds Without Boring Your Reader, which promises to be super informative. And I've just signed up myself last night, and you should too. Spots are almost filled up, so register now through canadianauthors.org.
0: Wonderful. I pretty much sign up for almost every one of these webinars, so I will be sure to register for this one as well. Another great online event that's happening outside of Canadian Authors Toronto is the Eden Mills Writers Festival, presenting their In Your Own Backyard online series. It started back in May. It will run regularly until October. And this is a series of online events featuring the very best of emerging and established Canadian writers. The events are all free, they're easy to access via Zoom, and all events for adults include closed captioning, while the events for children include ASL interpretation.
1: That sounds amazing. We also wanted to tell you guys about a couple of contests that are coming up that you can participate in. We have the Polar Expressions Publishing 2020 National Poetry Contest and as well the 2020 National Short Story Contest. So if you're a poet or short story writer, you can enter this one. There is no fee for entry and the deadline is coming right up July 31st, 2020 and over $3,500 worth of cash and other prizes will be awarded.
0: Excellent, another contest you can try your hand at is the Sean O'Fallon Short Story Competition 2020. Obviously it's a short story competition. The deadline is July 31st. There is a first prize of 2,000 euros and a one week residency at Cara Retreat. Second prize of 500 euros and four runners up will receive 250 while all winners receive publication in Southward 38, which is what all us writers are striving to do, get published. So it is open to original, unpublished, and unbroadcast short stories in the English language of 3,000 words or fewer. can be on any subject, in any style, by a writer of any nationality living anywhere in the world.
1: A truly worldwide competition. We also have another poetry contest rooms 2020 poetry contest. There's an entry fee of $35 for Canadians and $42 for Americans. The deadline to enter is August 15th, 2020. And we have three prizes. First prize $1,000 second prize $250 and an honorable mention prize of $50. You also get publication on RIM's website. This contest is open to women, cisgender or transgender, transgender men, two-spirit, and non-binary people. So it is truly open and welcome contest.
0: Excellent. And lastly, we'll mention the Master's Review Summer Short Story Award for new writers. The entry fee for this one is $20 U.S., you have until august 30th to submit your short story the prizes here are a first prize of 3002 dollars second prize of three hundred dollars third prize of two hundred and all prizes include online publication and agency review a great award all on its own so if you can add some money to your bankroll on top of that works for me there's no style or genre preferences however This is a publication that focuses on literary fiction, so you are encouraged to take chances and be bold. Previously unpublished stories under 6,000 words, please.
1: Those all sound like amazing contests, Brandy. Uh, We also have the CAA Toronto Virtual Writing Circle still up and running. So if you're interested in participating in this safe space to gather feedback on works in progress held on the GoToMeeting platform, please email Canadian Authors Toronto co-president J.F. Gerard at hello at J.F.G.A.R.R.A.R.D.com.
0: Okay, thanks, Chris. Some great information there. But now what we've all been waiting for It's time for the main event. So this month we're giving more airtime to our members. We're not going to do our normal interview. We'll save that for next month. We're just going to jump right into some great readings for you. We will give you a short intro and outro for each person so that you know exactly who you've just listened to. So get comfortable. Grab your tea, your beer, your port, whatever your preference may be, and listen in as some of our published members read from their work.
1: Our first reader today is Gavin Barrett. Gavin was born in Bombay and lived in Hong Kong for several years before immigrating to Canada with his wife and daughters. His poetry has been published in India and in Canada. Understand is his first collection of poems. Gavin, over to you.
2: Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Brandy, for having me. I'm going to read three poems from my new collection, Anderstan, which was published by Mawenzi House on the 16th of July. And the first poem is actually the title poem from the collection, Anderstan. Camels thread through the thorn trees, they are insouciant grazers. The wind stirs like memory. Now I know I was remembering the future. Stone shards bloom everywhere in this arid pasture. Flowers of hurt. Bare feet fly, flail, blur, bleed. Do you know what it is to die an honorable death? Asked guides and priests. Monumental the question, the place. I confess, I am my collected works books on shelves names like arrogance and tobacco page upon unprinted page blank and full black and white and life i ask as the women return with their brass spots do i know we all fall silent a fresco mocks us It shows a couple cavorting in the first-class compartment of a train. We bare our teeth, voyeurs of the past, always looking over our shoulders, wondering if we will be caught in flagrante delicto ourselves. Long knives, short lives, songs that bubble to their ends in pools of blood, Stories that started yesterday and end 4,000 years ago. Once upon, ever after, my children laugh. Their pleasure plain like prose, like poetry, their pain.
1: That was beautiful, and it sounds completely different in your voice than it does in my... My voice, in
2: my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's okay. i never know. No, amazing. But that's the beautiful yeah. thing about poetry, of course, is that you know everyone has uh, has a version that runs in their own heads, and I think that's that's a very special thing about poetry. I mean, you, 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 the version inside your own head is probably more important than the version with my voice, frankly. <laughs>
1: I know, I liked yours a lot. But. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
2: Okay, the second poem I'm going to read is a poem called To My Daughters Going to School. To my daughters going to school, what have you made of me? This air seems thin. Do you leave with your bags filled, sandwiches at the ready? This is a summer of you in and out. You gone to camp or camped in with books and friends and ends of conversations I snatch up as I come down the stairs. The dog gone mad in a frenzied spin searching for a summer long ball. Look at your hair, that cut suits you. I have spoken to you all year, all these years but now you are full of feathers. You're packed to go. I have a camera ready in my mind. In my mind, I'm a better father than I am, but you are always the same. Page goes with books read and written so many times between you. Bad television, reality shows, sudden shining emotion and something so much like the pain of full love. I made myself ready for the day, but I am done with readiness. Go. No, wait. Listen to me. You are what you make of us.
0: That was beautiful. Thank you. That was beautiful.
2: <laughs> Thank you. This next poem is like many of the poems in my book written on the personal is about a friend, a pair of friends in a way. A dog has ears. I see a man and a dog from my window. The man is clog shod. The dog shambling, happy, black, wears a gray-bearded smile. The man shines, the leash, if on, is tender slack. The dog is a fur full of panting summer. The man is a skin of wine and song. In the warm days he strums and hums and plays. The dog plays along. I am told they are teachers, man and dog. The man is a maker of adults, the dog is a doctor of God. Both are true. I have seen the happy, mad results. Some findings from their walks, a list of the chewable properties of paper birch, the comparative qualities of malt and motorcycles, The idea that a family is a church, that there are neighborhoods of mind and sugar bowl borrowings of thought, invitations to dinner, forgotten books, words of steady welcome, snowflakes caught on tongues, the recipe for salt for winter, ironies like a shaker's love song, a dog's barked reasoning. A story of Africa, the beat of a drum, the wake of a parent, a pot of curry, that a strummed chord is a song's seasoning. Those are a few. We have learned so much, and now this. The dog has gone. Those orange clogs are heavy-gated. Can a friend help a friend when a friend is lost? We have new questions. We are sated with answers. We are all owned by our gods and dogs, orphaned by our parents' comings and goings, caught on stage by our own floodlit secrets in our self-portraits, naked at our own public showings. This is pain. this thorn-wrapped flower, this common knowledge. This is joy, shared hurt, shared power. This is love, all curve, all edge. Make new lists, friends. This began as a poem of beginnings. It will not end as a poem of ends.
1: Those are beautiful, <laughs> beautiful readings. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Excellent, excellent readings. Oh, beautiful.
0: Okay. I just have to say, though, every time you read The Dog Has Gone... <laughs> it got me
2: right here <laughs> yes yes that was how we felt at the time about it too Yes, <laughs> the dear definitely. friend who lost his dear friend yes Yeah. excellent thanks
1: and so we're much, we're, we're we're very happy that uh, you're going to join us again for August
2: for oh long, I, I mean, you know what <laughs> that's you you doing me a solid so thank you <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well thanks maybe
1: so you much folks play. yes thank you yeah. we'll see you all right take care bye bye thank you Bye-bye. very much Our next reader is Lee Parpart, a former journalist and film academic who now works as an editor for Iguana Books in Toronto. She returned to creative writing after a long hiatus in 2016 and has won several awards, including an honourable mention in Negative Capability Press's 2020 Spring Poetry Contest and first place in Arc Poetry Journal's first ever Award of Awesomeness in May 2020. And Louis, I shall turn it over to you.
3: Thanks, Chris. Um, so, the first poem I'm going to read is called Deadheading in Late August. And if you don't know what deadheading is, it's a gardening term for removing spent blooms in order to promote growth uh, in a plant or prolong the life of a plant. Deadheading in Late August. Almost Labor Day. I'm telling the dead from the living, digging through spent blooms to prolong a box of fading beauty. Dirty fingernails make a good guillotine, the judgments rendered all correct, until speed overtakes precision and an unopened bud lands in the clipping bin weeks early. My eyes aren't what they used to be, babies sometimes resemble old men, their folds and wrinkles, confounding scents. One moment of inattention, a cluster of becoming, lost, the world and this window box, poorer, less lovely. Struggling bloom pinched from my body, bundle of promise sent back for bad timing. Where are you now in this world's big basket? I thought I sensed you again the other day, this time amid the brisk movements of an older woman churning up our street in sundress and sandals. I noticed her from across the road, watched her break stride just long enough to plunge an arm into a late blooming sage and crimp it hard, dealing scent. All this took seconds, the pause, the reach, the leaves pressed Mm. between eager fingers. Like when I test your sister's hair for dampness before sending her into the cold. But when she released the stalk and touched her face, inhaled, I felt you there. Ionic presence leaping from plume to palm. I was sure it was you or that part of you that follows us from house to house, dwelling not with us, but always near us, taking care not to startle. Yes, it was you, a child waiting still, silent as the air on my neck and just as real.
1: That's a beautiful reading. Thank you.
3: Thank you. So the next poem I'm going to read is the one that won the ARC award, and it's relatively new and was written really quickly. And if you see it on the page, it's like a long, thin drip of butter. You'll see why that's relevant. This one's called Hello, Goodbye. Your dad and I both love you. We love you the way a king crab loves the little moan that escapes a person's lips as butter drips along their chin. If small teeth ever sink into your own flesh, you will know how and why to abandon yourself to another. And the last poem that I'd like to read is another of these 50-word poems that hasn't been published yet. It's a COVID poem, and it's called Three Wishes. We live inside now, rubbing brass doorknobs like we're expecting genies, You get three wishes. And before you ask, no, I can't fix it. Genies can't cheat. We bargain like lawyers who haven't read the briefs. Get back in the lamp, we say. Here comes that third stage of grief.
0: Oh, that was great. Thank you so much.
1: Those are beautiful poems, Lee.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Great job. Those were beautiful poems. Thank you very much for being on the show. Oh my god, such a pleasure. So next on, we have Danny Ramadan, an award-winning Syrian Canadian author, public speaker, and LGBTQ refugees activist. His debut novel, The Clothesline Swing, won multiple awards. His children's book, Salma the Syrian Chef, was published in March 2020. And Danny is graduating his MFA in creative writing from the University of British Columbia. So with no further ado, we have Danny Ramadan reading his award-winning short story, My Name is Bridge, which won the Fiddlehead Magazine's Short Story Prize in spring 2020.
4: My name is Bridge. Mother told me my grandmother has lost her mind. She stood in the moonshine for too long and wandered up into the ocean of stars so deep it was hard for her to find her way back. She was swallowed whole by the myths of the past one night and never could be retrieved. Kharrafet, my mother said. She lives in the land of fables now. Mother told me not to follow my grandmother to the rooftop on the day of the eclipse, but the banging was too loud. I heard the banging coming from above and I snuck out of the house, curious and filled with fear. I climbed the stairs guided by the endless knocking coming from above and I found her standing there with a shawl on her back lifting the kitchen pot up in the air as far as her arms can reach and holding a wooden spoon and knocking on it as loud as she possibly could. Neighbors looked out from windows of mounting buildings enraged by the noise coming from our dwarfed house. She stood her left breast bare and her white hair glimmering under the dimmed sunlight, humming to the imagined tune she plays on the part. What are you doing? I asked. And she explained that Nanar, the Assyrian goddess of the sun, is angry. She hides the sun to remind her worshipers that she could bring darkness to the world, she says. Nanar scared me. I picture her, a winged woman riding a horned ox of fire and ice, opening her unhinged jaw and sucking the sun dry of warmth and fire, turning the old star blue. I ran back home to hide in my little room. My heart is bounding and my face is red. I saw the sun disappear slowly behind a dark disk and I wondered if this is the ballad of Nanar's mouth, round and open and toothless and ready to take away our guiding star. I brought my birthday doll for moral support. I tucked her under my armpit. I ran to the kitchen. I fetched a cooking pot and a wooden spoon, and I rushed to the rooftop, ignoring my mother's call. I banged on my cooking pot right next to my grandmother, and she banged louder, our arms extending to the skies like praying worshipers. We swirled in circles like the dervish I saw in the Umayyad Mosque. We sang a song of war I know not the lyrics to, and we shouted a primitive shout, hidden in the back of my head since I was born. Slowly, the dark mouth in the sky retreated, and the warmth was back to the surface of earth. I felt proud of myself. My grandmother missed with my hair smiling. My grandmother liked to sit and watch her black and white TV in her chair. The louder the sounds of explosions she heard from outside or glimpsed over the large flat screen of our living room, the higher she turned the volume up on her black and white TV. Mother, would you turn that down? My mother asked her repeatedly only to see a cornered smile on my grandmother's face without a response. No war will ever end the beauty of Damascus, my grandmother told me, and I believed her. She instructed my mother never to leave the white laundry out when we hear the sound of explosions. White is the color of the soul, she repeated. Our bed sheets will attract the wandering lost ones from the nearby neighborhoods. Let them find their way to the court of Ashur. My grandmother explained to me that Ashur, the god of war, will hear the stories of the dead, and he will be just and swift He will find his ways. I pictured Ashur with shining blinding skin like the sun, embracing the souls of his warriors, welcoming them to his paradise, turning their faces into burning lava for the torture of their enemies. Kifr, my mother whispered to me, don't listen to your crazy grandmother's apostasy. Mother never told my grandmother how she felt. She was raised to respect her elders. She also found the advice useful. White sheets left outside during the time of explosions ended up covered in tar, ashes, and smelled of smoke. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, that was terrific. Thank you very much.
4: It's a beautiful story, Dania. Thank you. You should read the whole thing. It's actually quite cute. I, (laughs) I would love to. I love reading this story to be honest. It's it there's an art to reading stories in Syria called Hakawati storytelling, which is like a three hundred years old art where this older man sits in a cafe and people around just like smoke and listen to him read stories. I have a far-off relative who did that, so I inherited that way of telling a story with ups and downs and voices and hand gestures. <laughs>
1: it's It's very wonderful to listen to and
4: watch. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Is it based on mythology? Oh God, no, a, a the character, the main character is a female. Um, and the, the yes, the gods that I mentioned in the short story are all Assyrian gods. Assyria is um, is an empire, it's the oldest empire in the history, actually, that was started in the land that we now call Syria. Um, 8,000 years ago or something. And they have similar gods to the Greek. Actually, the Greek took their ideas of what gods are and how they they have different jobs from the Assyrian culture. Oh. Yeah. Well, we
0: get a great reading and a history lesson, too. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm obsessed, to be honest. Like You will see that in my collection of short stories. Um, every story has one of the gods coming in and having a conversation with the main characters.
0: Thank you so much for being a part of this. We really appreciate it. You did great.
4: Thank you, appreciate that.
1: <laughs> a- Bye, Danny. Bye.
0: So please help us welcome June Rogers, who began her love of literature in childhood when her father read Winnie the Pooh, Alice in Wonderland, and other children's classics to her before bed. As an adult, she worked as a writer and editor in the Canadian magazine industry, at publications such as Maclean's, Today's Parent, On Route, and Chatelaine. More recently, her short stories have appeared in The Dead Mule School of Southern Literature, Brilliant Flash Fiction, and 101words.org, among others.
5: Over to you, June. Sweet and tart. Walking into my Aunt Fanny's kitchen is like a dream. Shiny copper pans hang on the wall. Silver spatulas and strainers gleam in the sunlight. She is always baking. If it isn't lemon meringue pies or chocolate chip cookies, it's buttery pralines or chewy molasses candies. The warm, sugary smell of her kitchen makes me feel like I'm cocooned in cotton candy. I love spending time with her, especially during the summer when school's out. I wake to a hot morning and slip on my red and white gingham dress and head into the kitchen where my mother is making scrambled eggs and toast. The phone rings. It's Uncle Lad, Aunt Fanny's husband. My mother goes silent. I'll be right over, my mother says, and I'll bring Diana with me. She'll cheer her up. My mother grabs my wrist and we run all the way to Aunt Fanny's house three blocks away. The screen door bangs behind us in our hurry. On her bed, Aunt Fanny lies on her stomach and moans. The bedroom smells of pee and cigarette ashes. My mother tries to shake her awake, but Aunt Fanny refuses to open her eyes. Fanny May, my mother shouts. Come on, hun! it's time to get up. Aunt Fanny doesn't move. My mother motions to me to go over to the bed. Her face is all screwed up and pasty, like one of her raw pie doughs. Hey, Aunt Fanny, I say. How you doing? She stirs and opens one eye. Huh? She asks. "Who was that? It's me, Diana, I say. Want to bake some cookies? No, she howls. My mother turns on her heel and heads straight for the telephone in the living room. I follow and huddle near the green checkered sofa. Dr. Thompson, it's Patsy. Something's terribly wrong with my sister. Come as soon as you can. What do you think is the matter? My uncle asks. Why is she acting this way? I don't know, lad, my mother says. Let's wait until Dr. Thompson gets a good look at her. It feels like an eternity before Dr. Thompson bursts into the house and makes a beeline for Aunt Fanny's bedroom. Opening up his small black leather bag He pulls out a stethoscope to listen to her heart. He checks her pulse. He douses his handkerchief with something that smells like turpentine and puts it to her nose. She coughs a little but stays prone. Her mouth and one eye are drooping and the fingers on her hand are all drawn up like a dead chicken's foot. Patsy, Dr. Thompson shouts, call an ambulance. What's the matter with her, doc? My uncle asks. Well, I think your wife has suffered a stroke. Oh, my good Lord, my uncle wails and flaps his hands. A stroke? My head spins thinking of what it can mean. Is that when somebody gets hit by lightning? Like Jeb Trainer did last year on his tractor during a thunderstorm? He hasn't been the same ever since. When the ambulance wails down the street, taking my Aunt Fanny away, my insides feel all jumbled up. A month later, Aunt Fanny gets out of the hospital. When I walk into her house, it doesn't smell sugary anymore. It's more like the scent of a bathroom after the toilet has been scrubbed with Lysol. I wish I could cheer her up. The only thing I know to do is bake a batch of chocolate chip cookies. I walk into the kitchen and get to work. In a copper pan, I cream the butter and sugar until it's light and fluffy. Then I beat the eggs and vanilla together in one of her white and red-rimmed porcelain bowls. I combine the flour, chocolate chips, and baking soda and mix all the ingredients together. As I drop blobs of the dough on the cookie sheet, I realize I forgot to turn on the oven. So I dial up the temperature to 400 to get it good and hot fast. I shove the cookies into the oven and set the timer for 20 minutes. Or is it 10 minutes? I settle for 15, which would make it 325 on my watch. My mother arrives and we go keep Aunt Fanny company. I'm hoping the aroma of chocolate and sugar will make her smile. I look at my watch. It says 320. You should have smelled something by now. In the kitchen, I see thin streams of smoke seeping out of the sides of the oven. When I put the mitts on and open up the door, a billowing black cloud engulfs me. I choke and my eyes water. I reach for the baking sheet and pull it out. Every cookie is a charred lump of coal. My mother rushes into the kitchen and shrieks like a banshee. Hells bells, what happened? Doesn't matter anymore, I sob and throw the mitts across the room. Hundreds of people cram into the funeral parlor for this visitation and viewing. Aunt Fanny is sitting halfway up in her casket. The skin on her face is tightly drawn across her cheekbones and jaw. Her eyes are closed. I keep on expecting her to breathe, but she is still and shiny as a statue in the wax museum. Her longtime friends Mrs. Hatch and Mrs. Beamson, filed by her casket. With her lace handkerchief pressed against her nose, Mrs. Hatch shakes her head. She could bake like nobody's business, says Mrs. Hatch. Mrs. Beamson's nods. Ooh, I swear she had a gift with that lemon meringue pie of hers, she says. It was sweet and tart, all at the same time. Volunteers from the church serve coffee, cake, and cookies. I choose a chocolate chip. It crumbles in my mouth like dust. Yay,
0: excellent. Thank you very much for that, June. Thank you
5: for sharing that.
1: It's a very beautiful story. And I love how evocative the different smells are of the setting.
0: Yeah, I can smell the chocolate chip cookies right through the words. (laughs) Thank you. Great. Thank you for being on the podcast with us today. You're welcome. Should
1: be fun. Thanks, (laughs) June. All
0: right. (laughs) Bye-bye. 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 And so last up, we have our very own Chris Gorman, my wonderful podcast co-host. I'm so pleased to present him reading from his brand new novel, Dawn of Magic, Rise of the Guardians.
1: Thank you, Brandy. I'm going to read a little excerpt from the beginning of chapter two. Chapter two. I'm running fast. My life depends on it. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm running from. It's dark. So dark. I can't see more than half a meter in front of me. I have no hope of avoiding the many branches and leaves reaching out to strike at me as I run. They cover my face and arms in tiny, painful cuts, while gnarled tree roots grab at my ankles. Tree roots? I must be in a forest. But how did I get here? And why am I running? There's a knot of fear deep in the pit of my stomach. I feel like a deer pursued by relentless wolves, all of my senses on full alert. The sky lights up. A blinding blue-white light morphs the dark shadows of the forest into hideous monsters reaching out for me. Seconds later, thunder crashes through the forest, so loud it almost deafens me. The sky lights up again and again. Three lightning strikes in quick succession. Three blasts of thunder so close together they become one cascading explosion. And then a deep, oppressive silence fills the forest. Only my ragged gasps for air and the sound of my footsteps crunching the twigs on the forest floor pierce the cloud of silence. A wind picks up out of nowhere. Branches rattle against each other, sounding almost alive. The wind grows stronger, colder. I hear hooves pounding the ground behind me, and I glance over my shoulder to see a massive set of antlers through the trees, gaining rapidly. Lightning blazes through the sky again, and the dark antlers become a giant stag with eyes full of knowing and intent. I run faster, trying desperately not to stumble as the cold turns to an icy chill. Aiden, my name flows with the wind. Ghostly, and no more than a faint, masculine whisper, it wraps itself around me. Something deep inside me responds to the whisper, awakening, calling to the wind beckoning it. I smother that part of me that seeks to welcome this darkness, embracing instead the terror. Aiden, a new voice calls feminine and commanding cold and icy. It's so powerful that tentacles of fear sink into my heart. The pounding hooves stop and I glance behind me instinctively. There's nothing there but blackness. Aiden, Another voice, full of ancient feminine power unrestrained, cuts through all my walls and barriers and reduces me to utter panic. Lightning lights up the forest again. Massive primordial vines stretch out all around me, reaching for me. Come to me. The voice has changed subtly, sounding almost welcoming. The fingers of fear tighten. Beads of cold sweat run down my face. The welcoming quality of the darkness spurs me to run faster, my muscles straining. Lightning. Thunder crashes. I'm out of the forest, but I don't stop running. Behind me, the vines twist and stretch their tentacle-like fingers toward me. Lightning illuminates the sky again, and my heart sinks. I've reached a cliff. The edge isn't even ten feet away. I spin around to face the churning mass of vines as fear courses through my body. Now that I've stopped, the vines slow. There's a sinister quality to them. I back slowly toward the edge. The tangled mass of vines opens, revealing a green-tinged darkness. It's as if I can feel the heart of the forest itself within the vines, beating strong, welcoming. The shadow of a woman emerges from the darkness ancient and terrifying. As it moves toward me, the age of centuries seems to fall away from it. Come to me, her voice echoes from the heart of the forest. My heels reach the edge, the vines loom ever larger. Embrace my power as it flows through you. I feel myself contract, folding in on myself as something deep inside my being reacts to the voice. As I edge backwards, I get dizzy at the thought of falling off the cliff. Aiden, this is a new voice, not exactly sweet, but the sound of a hundred voices in one. It sounds like the forest itself, as though the trees of the forest and the soil between my toes were somehow beckoning me to join them. It comes from over the cliff. I look behind me. Somehow, Toronto lies right below me. From here, the CN Tower gleams like a jewel, the heart of downtown. The lights of the city illuminate the bright night sky, bathing it in an unnatural daylight. Even at this hour, countless vehicles snake through the core. The thick, pervasive smell of exhaust assaults my senses, contrasting harshly with the rich smell of life and decay in the forest. The densely populated bloom of lights that is the Downsview Refugee Park thrums in the distance while rough dry vegetation slowly swallows up the abandoned industrial and commercial buildings as nature reclaims the land. Mist rides in and shrouds the city in its depths. Air rushes past and an intense vertigo fills me. When it stops, I look out over the cliff again. There's nothing but air. Aiden, comes the sweet voice, be strong, don't give in to fear, trust, believe in yourself, step over the edge and come alive.
0: Wow, thanks, Chris. That was actually the first time that I've heard our very own Chris Gorman give a reading. I'm so thrilled you could do that for us. I have chills. Thank you very, very much.
1: Thanks Brandy. I've been keeping it all under some pretty tight wraps, which probably isn't good for trying to sell books. Um, so it's, it's good to be able to do a, a reading.
0: That was really great, Chris. That sounds really cool. Your book. <laughs> I like that a lot. And I really like that it's fantasy, but it's in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> like you never get, I, I love science fiction and fantasy and never do you read a fantasy book and see the CN tower in that scene. (laughs) I thought that was a good choice. I did. (laughs) Canadian Authors Toronto. So you, you brought it in there. All right. Well, a big thank you to all of our wonderful readers here today. That wraps up our readings. So in one moment, we will go back to the end of our episode and do a little wrap up. Wow, that was so great. So we just got to hear five of our Canadian Authors Association members uh, read from their own personal work. And I just personally found it inspiring. And that was just fantastically done by all five of our members.
1: Absolutely, Brandy. I loved the imagery in all of these pieces. And they're so vibrant and descriptive. June's, I really could smell everything in it. And Gavin, Danny, Lee's pieces, they were so vibrant and descriptive. Uh, and they're such wonderful leaders, all four of the others, because I don't want to talk about myself that way.
0: i going to leave that talk about you that way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, they're all so vibrant and descriptive.
0: I know, right? Talk about painting a picture with words. Uh, I really enjoyed all five of those pieces. And really, Chris, you and I could sit here and talk about each piece for another full-length podcast episode. And unfortunately, we just don't have time to go over every little thing that we liked about those.
1: I, I agree 100%. And I would just like to say thank you again for suggesting that I read from my work. Because it's it's, I found it great practice for public readings, um, facing my own fears about reading my work, as well as great exposure. So, if anyone out there has work that you would like the chance to read on air, please reach out to us. We'll give you the details on how at the end of our show. On that topic, let's announce our member news. First up, we are so happy to say that our special guest from our first episode. Ed Seward's book has just been released. Yay, Ed! You can get it through Amazon, chapters, indigo, abebooks.com, and alllitup.ca.
0: Ah, what wonderful news! Congratulations, Ed! We also have Gordon K. Jones, pleased to announce that his crime thriller, Saving Tiberius, is scheduled for release by Bookland Press in July 2020. When word is leaked that Morgan Watson's cat, Tiberius, miraculously cured itself of diabetes and they hold the key to a cure, he is attacked and almost killed. As he and a strong-willed police officer, Paula Rogers, search for who is behind the brutal attempts to get Tiberius, they find themselves intertwined with the growing list of dead bodies.
1: One sounds fascinating. We also have Rajesh Segal's book, Not Guilty, Fabricated Implication Report. FIR is now available on Amazon. This book describes how the laws in India have been misused and the criminal justice system abused over the years leading to arrest, humiliation, and sufferings of tens of thousands of innocents who are implicated in false cases it also touches on police abuse and atrocities.
0: Wow, all these works sound really fascinating. And we do, of course, have one last announcement to make. We have your book, Dawn of Magic Rise of the Guardians, a novel in which Mother Nature returns magic to the world to save the planet. Dawn of Magic is available through Friesen Press directly or through Amazon chapters for the ebook. And given how amazing your reading was earlier in the podcast, I can't wait to get my personal signed copy from my partner.
1: Thanks, Brandy. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) I have it. I just need to get it to you.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's always the trouble.
1: If you have an accomplishment or upcoming publication announcement, or if you want to be featured on the podcast, please email me at cjgorman at gmail.com or Brandy, at batannerphotos at z-o-h-o dot com.
0: Great. So thank you to all of our listeners, to all of the great authors we had on today reading from their work. Uh, we had a wonderful time. And that brings us to the end of our third episode of Words with Writers Podcast. Yay. Thank you for listening. Bye, everyone.
1: <laughs> Bye-bye.